At the beginning of the Bible, we get a beautiful illustration of how everything began, told not from a historical or scientific perspective, but instead told from a perspective of love, about how everything in the entire world began with God's blessing upon the world and calling it good. As human beings emerge on the scene, they're literally given everything they need for their life and well-being, and God does this purely out of love. But very quickly, people begin equating themselves with God. They begin choosing things for themselves instead of the things that draw them closer to God. And what happens? Well, we start hearing all kinds of stories in rapid succession about hiding, about isolation, about fear, even about murder. Right away, really quickly. As people chose things for themselves, God becomes more distant, and people blame each other for the bad things that happen. Very soon after that, people start dividing themselves into classes of people, some good, some bad, some of one tribe, then later of one race or another, separating each other, dividing all of what God called good, but somehow, people decided that they knew better than God. Interesting how we can still relate to this story. The good news of Jesus is all about God coming into the world to show us a new way. A new way that isn't about putting all of humanity through some kind of great sorting process. A new way that defaults to blessing and love over posturing and jockeying for position and competing against one another for things that are scarce. Jesus is trying to show us through his very self and his very life a new way to live and a new way to be. But even if people grew up as Christians or they became Christians and they accept this, we know that we still want to do things our own way. When I lived in Los Angeles, I remember this grand old church near MacArthur Park, huge building, a church of one of the most, it, it was located in one of the most racially diverse neighborhoods in the city, a neighborhood filled with people from Korea, Central America, Mexico, Vietnam, and it also had affluent Anglos whose families had been traditionally known as the establishment of Los Angeles. Now at this church, even in the late 1990s, and I'd say even as, as, as late as 2004, 2005, the ushers wore specialized suit coats with tails and they had on white gloves every Sunday as they opened the doors for those attending church. They kind of looked like the footmen from Downton Abbey. It was such a vestige of the past, such an unusual sight. But what those ushers were communicating was difference, societal difference, class difference, racial difference. Even when it wasn't implied verbally, the symbols of dress and manner that the ushers used made people know who was welcome in their church and who was not. Their actions made all of that abundantly clear. What I haven't said yet is that this church could actually seat probably three or 4,000 people easily. In that massive grand old structure in the late 90s and early 2000s, a typical Sunday 
may have seen 50 to 75 people. Not 2,000 or 250 or 175. About 50 to 75 people. The exclusionary manner in which that church behaved was literally choking itself out of existence. Around 2005, that church finally got a new pastor and things changed, but there's a side of that church's story in which every church can relate. For far too long, Christianity has partnered up with those in power, aligning their values on what keep the powerful people powerful. For far too long, certain theologies in Christianity have been developed to oppress others rather than to set them free. For far too long, the status quo of the imperial church, fantastically happy in Christendom, the status quo of, well, that's how proper people are supposed to be at church, has literally, that behavior has literally suffocated the people in many communities and has led many far away from the real gospel, the true good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, this is difficult to hear. But the Trinity Cathedral community and the Episcopal Church itself are not immune from these behaviors. We're not immune from this history. We're not immune from these practices and attitudes. Have we changed at Trinity Cathedral? Oh, yes, we definitely have. We had to. This community began a revolutionary change 35 years ago because Trinity was confronted with this stark reality. We either change or we die. And Trinity Cathedral has aspired to change, and we have changed. We have encountered a new and resilient life that people in the pews back in 1985, they couldn't have even imagined. We have seen this new life. We have seen the possibilities of the kingdom of God, and we continue to see possibilities of being drawn even closer into the vicinity of God's kingdom. I love the author John Stott in his book, Basic Christianity. He says, a healthy Christian fellowship includes people of all types, backgrounds, and ages, and there are new depths of friendship and mutual sharing to be discovered. I'm going to repeat that. A healthy Christian fellowship includes people of all types, backgrounds, and ages, and there are new depths of friendship and mutual sharing to be discovered. On first reflection, I think we are well, all well on our way in almost every aspect of Mr. Stott's assertion, in almost every aspect, actually. And this is important to hold up, because today's gospel is inviting us to do this in even more ways than we have fully realized yet. We still have more work to do. Most people read today's gospel as one that invites us into hospitality, and that is certainly true. But to only look at this passage as one that calls us to being hospitable shortchanges us of its full potential. Jesus is inviting us to acknowledge how the people of God still live in a divided world. And this reading calls us to acknowledge how in divisive or oppressive conditions, superficial hospitality by itself is not a sufficient response. It is not a sufficient response. When Jesus uses this example in the gospel of offering cold water, 
He's demonstrating to the people listening to him that God will not accept token gestures of being nice. God is expecting our hearts to be open, really open, open to not discriminate, open to accept those we offer hospitality to as our equals, to seeing people as they are, seeing people as holy, beloved, treasured children of God. In Jesus' day, those little ones mentioned, probably children, those little ones mentioned were thought of by society as creatures lower than slaves, creatures who were burdens upon everyone, lower than even the slaves. I'm glad we don't see children like that anymore, but we have to take that message and reinterpret what it said in that passage and what does it mean to us today. Those rules that they had in the first century about how people talked to each other and related to each other and engaged with each other were even more imposed upon everyone than they are today. Modern English doesn't allow us to distinguish between a formal you and a familiar you. American culture, we tend to be casual. And so most people speak to strangers as in a familiar of a tone as someone that they actually know very well. But we on the inside don't always think of people we don't know as our equals. We want to say we do, but there are many parts in us that we're doing the same dividing, the same excluding, the same discriminating that people did in Jesus' day. So this gospel invitation for today means more to us now than it has ever before. God knows where we're at. God knows what's in our hearts. God knows what our greatest desires are for the well-being of our world right here and right now. And so we are called, we are invited to repentance, to turn and to say yes to God, to the things of God's kingdom. We're called to start simply but intentionally by taking even the slightest gesture of offering cold water on a hot Phoenix day and offering it to a stranger. But we we can't just stop by offering cold water. We have to use that refreshment that the water provides us to bless someone else and to let God bless us and refresh us too. Refresh us to do the internal work of our hearts, to uncover where we have seen others in the same ways Jesus' followers viewed the little ones in this passage. To uncover where we have placed systems of injustice, systems of stratification, systems upon, of discrimination upon our brothers and sisters. We're invited to live into the refreshment of the living water that Jesus offers in offering forgiveness and love first to us so that then we can be like Jesus and create an environment and a city and a world that first offers forgiveness and restoration and love to others. The cold water that Jesus wants us to offer to others as hospitality is also meant as a powerful symbol for the might of God's Holy Spirit to refresh and restore us. The refreshing water from God doesn't stop being offered. 
and the life-giving, restorative, reconciling, cool water that we are invited to begin offering to others, even those others that our hearts have deemed at some point before as little ones, we're invited to begin again, extending ourselves out of a sense of hospitality, yes, but more out of a sense of love, out of a sense of God's love, God who loved us first so that we in turn can love others. When we begin to live in this compassionate way, when we begin to live in this grace-filled way, when we begin to fill up with God's love in such a way that we can't help but share, we open the doors to the kingdom of God for others. We don't impose barriers like that church in MacArthur Park in L.A. No, we don't impose. We don't restrict. We instead open. We open doors to the kingdom of God and invite others to share with us, to share with Jesus, to share with all of the created world that God called good, the banquet of life and honor and blessing that was prepared for all of us from the foundation of the world. Refresh another person with cool water. Refresh yourself with God's love, and for goodness sake, keep the door open, the door of your heart. Keep it open to being the one who blesses and changes the world for good. Truly, Jesus tells us, truly, none will lose their reward. Be the welcome refreshment for the sake of God's kingdom. Be the welcome refreshment for the life of the world, and be it today.